This week will be lesson number two, and we're going to call it our strength and our adversary. Our strength and our adversary. Ephesians 6, verse 10. We're just going to read four verses and then jump right into our message. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle or our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, no, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Somebody say stand. Father, we love you and praise you. Thank you for your word. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are continuing this series that we began last week on the armor of God. And last time we talked about basics for battle. Basics for battle. Or foundations for the overcoming Christian. And the first sermon is really just an overview of all eight verses. Giving four main thoughts that really can arm us for victory. Be a good foundation as we fight this fight of faith. Now this week we want to begin going verse by verse, just expounding and explaining and encouraging through the Word of God. Now the book of Ephesians, as we said last time, is a very positive and uplifting book. There's really no major errors or problems that Paul has to deal with. So Paul's instructed us on how to live in our personal lives, in our family life, in our church life. He's talked about our riches in Christ. You know, we're seated with Him in heavenly places. We've been saved by grace, not by works. It talks about the great purpose, the eternal purpose of the church of Jesus Christ. All that, yet, towards the end of this book, Paul reminds his readers that such a life cannot be lived without spiritual battle. We cannot ignore these realities, these spiritual realities, and enjoy the overcoming life God wants us to have. Even though we have all these riches in Christ, these promises of His grace, even though we're part of the eternal church, even though all those things are true, if we want to enjoy that victory in the present, it demands something of us, it demands our understanding, it demands our effort. We really cannot enjoy the blessings of the kingdom of God unless we're willing to defend them from the enemy of our souls, who Jesus said has a primary goal, to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy your walk with God. He doesn't want you walking close to Jesus. Guard your walk with the Lord. Don't let anything separate you from your walk with the Lord. He wants to keep you from your ministry and your responsibility in carrying out your God-ordained function in the earth. He wants to steal from you the many, many blessings that God has. So Paul is writing to the church. He's given them so many precious promises, wonderful insights and revelations. He gets to the end of the book. He says, but finally, brother, finally, finally, don't forget this. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to take your stand against the force of the schemes of the evil one. And he goes on to talk about how there is a spiritual opposition to the child of God. There is a spiritual enemy to the man or woman who chooses to walk for Jesus Christ. And we have to know that and understand that so we can properly combat that. Can you say amen? Amen. For though we are rich in Christ and have a great salvation, we have eternal life. We possess right now the assurance of heaven, of sins forgiven. Yet we must learn how to stand our ground in the present. We must learn how to put on our armor and fight the good fight of faith. Whether you're young or old, whether you're newly saved or you're an age saint, we all have to learn this. Last week we gave ourselves the assurance or the attitude, the attitude that we know that Jesus has defeated death, hell, and the grave. Amen. We know Jesus has conquered the enemy and therefore you and I can advance through life confident in that, that we belong to him. If he's triumphed, we're triumphing. Amen. If he's overcome, so shall we. We learned last week that we are the victors, not the victims of this thing. Guard your heart and mind from the victim mentality. That comes from hell, not from heaven. Let your past go and walk in the fullness of the reality of Jesus Christ. We fight from a position of victory, not for a position of victory. 
And yes, the Bible does teach us that the day is evil and that the enemy is attacking. But if God be for us, who can be against us? For we are strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So regardless of seasons and circumstances and situations, let it be settled. We are, you are more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. Now this week, our strength in our adversary. Our strength in our adversary. Look at verse 10 with me. The Bible says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. There are three things that we can note from verse 10 in the PowerPoint. Um, the one up yeah, you had it. The one up before that. The PowerPoint is going to, we can walk down the PowerPoint and look at it. Number one, we learn from verse 10 that God's strength is available to the child of God. We're not looking for it. God has not said, here you are, I forgave you. Now you just grind it out and live it out in your own strength. That's not That's not the, the thing at all. In fact, verse 10 tells us, number one, God's strength is available to the child of God. You and I can live this life and we can live it in an overcoming fashion. God's not looking for people broke, busted, and disgusted. His people aren't those that are backsliding every other week. He's put the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead within you and I. And he gives us power and promises and his presence to live the life. And to live it is more than a conqueror. Hey man, that's not just poetry. That's not just a pretty writing that Apostle Paul, when he said we're more than conquerors through Christ, yes, what? he wrote that by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Therefore, if you're a Christian, you are more than a conquering Christ. God's strength is available to you. Number two, we learn from verse 10 that this strength that we desperately need if we're going to live the overcoming life, it's received and maintained through our relationship with Jesus Christ. Notice he says, it's in the Lord. It's in the power of His might. In the Lord. The strength that we receive is not just something we learn through a head knowledge or something that just comes from a ritual. It comes, Jesus phrased it in John 15, it comes from abiding in Him, abiding in the vine. We maintain and we walk in this strength. Not just because uh, of something I have mentally, but something I have in my reality. In the reality of walking with the Lord. He keeps me strong and that anointing keeps flowing. And the presence and power of the Spirit is strong. We see three things from verse 10. And this should be our first PowerPoint. God's strength is available to the child of God. It's received and maintained through our relationship with Christ. And number three, God's power is designed to work, to manifest, to show itself. This is not philosophy. This is not theory. This is reality to those that are walking in. God's power is designed to work or manifest in and through your life. And that word of kratos, kratos, the Greek word for power there is not just a stored power. Like you can have a battery on the shelf and there's power, but it's stored. It's not doing anything. But this power is a working power. It's a, a releasing power. The power of God in our life is not just so we can say we have God. It's so God can have us. Amen. It's so that we can live this life. And we can minister effectively. And we can finish our race and overcome the negatives. Again, this is not potential power that he talks about. It's not store power. It's working power. This power of God is not a theory. It is sincerely God's spirit in you. Working through you, if you will give the, the will, God will give the energy. If you give the effort, God will release the power, and you can do what God's called you to do. You can overcome what you have to overcome. Why? This is power within you. It's not just something stored. It's not just something theoretical. It is something that flows as we obey God. It works as we walk with God. God's strength is available. But sometimes people look at themselves, I can't overcome that. Why can't you? God's able to overcome that, isn't he? If he's in you, so can you. Now again, let's be encouraged by this truth. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, whatever your background is, God gives his people the strength they need to live this life. Paul begins this beautiful section of scriptures, verse 10. 
Father, brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of the Kratos that flowing of his mighty power. He gives us strength, all the strength we need to live this life and to live it victoriously. So listen now, let this forever be settled in your thinking. If you're willing, God will supply all you need to serve him. You couldn't save yourself. You can't keep yourself saved. It's all God. It's amazing grace from start to finish. All you got to do is walk with Him. All you got to do is have that surrendered life and He'll supply the power you need, the wisdom you need, the strength you need. Again, verse 10 is communicating to you and I, reminding us human effort is inadequate for this battle. Because we're not fighting humans. We're fighting spiritual forces of hell. Human effort, inadequate, but God's power is not only invincible, it's available for the child of God. Literally, it says, be strengthened in the Lord, receive the strength of God, for it's available to you to fight your fight, to finish your race, to overcome your challenge, to change in those areas that you need to change in. Paul begins verse 10. Be strong or be strengthened in God. Be infused with the strength of the Almighty. And then he says, in the Lord. He's in the Lord. And we underline that because it's not in ourselves. It's not even in my efforts. It's in the Lord. The point is my strength comes from abiding. It's not just the head knowledge. It's a living relationship that causes the power of God to flow in and through my life. It's remaining in union with Jesus Christ. It is uh, daily communion and a daily connection. Don't let your walk with God be severed. Don't let anything try to drop a wedge between you and Jesus. Don't let anything keep you from walking close to the Lord. That's where your power lies. That's where your grace to face tomorrow lies. It's not in our ability. It's not even in the experiences that I've stored up in the victories of the past. It's in a very present walking with God that this life flows. You know, I can remember a sister, uh, sister Donna Shambach, and she would preach uh, a lot of the afternoon services for her dad, and she'd always talk about, he'd make this illustration. She goes, you know, she goes, as a woman, she goes, I, I love roses, I love roses. And whenever I get roses, you, know, you put them in a nice vase. But there's one thing about a rose, that immediately, the moment it's cut, it begins to die. Because it's, it can be beautiful, but it's dying. Because it's severed from the vine. And as a child of God, as soon as we get severed or separated from that walking with the Lord, death begins. Our life is determined by walking with Him. So it's not on what I know about this. It's not about some experience I had of yesteryear. It's that right now, daily communing, connecting, and walking with the Lord. And as I walk with God, His power flows through me. His grace is sufficient for me. And His wisdom is only the battle. Can you say amen? In the Lord. Apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. But in Him is available all the strength we need. You know, we love Philippians 4 and 13, how it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And there's, there's one, um, one writer puts it like this, I can do all things through Christ who infuses me with his strength. Wow. For every day and any occasion, be strong in the Lord, in the Lord, and in the power of his might. That last section there, again, it speaks of a working power. It says the power we have in God is not just something you experience in the temple. It's something you demonstrate as you walk with God through Walmart and in your house and in the hospitals and on your job. It's an outward, visibly manifested power. It's power that you can see and experience the results. It's a tangible evidence of a life transformed by the power of the living God. It's a power for working and doing and accomplishing things. God wants to have his power released in your life and released in my life. And whether we're walking with God or ministering to other people or battling or just growing, that the results, this power is a power that brings results. 
This is not a power that's theoretical. This is not a power that's just theological jargon. This is not a power that's philosophy. This is a power that brings tangible results. The power of God, that's what transforms our life. The power of God, that's what changes our moral fiber. The power of God, that is what produces good works in your life and in my life. Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the power. The working of His might through your life. There should be a demonstration in every one of our lives that we have been born from above, that we walk in the power of the Spirit of God, we live different, we talk different, we act different, and our lives produce that which is different. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Verse 10, God's strength is available to you. So don't ever think that you can't live this life. Don't ever think you can't overcome that thing. If you can, then God's a liar. God does not lie. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Now look at verse 11. Verse 11. Put on the full armor of God. We got this strength. How do we activate it? Amen? Nothing worse than having something not knowing how to use it, right? You ever see that? You ever you kind of you grow up the rich kids. They got all the stuff. You can't afford nothing. They got all the stuff. Half the stuff they don't even know how to use. Amen. Saying, what was my dad giving them that stuff? I figured it out. But anyway, um, I see a lot of Christians. They got all the goods, but they haven't learned how to put it to work. Faith teaches how to put this thing to work. Isn't that right? We're not about talking about it. Talk is cheap. I need to activate this thing. Amen. I've got some strongholds that need to come down. I need some wounds that need to be healed. I need some things that need to be accomplished. So again, put on the full armor, the whole armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Notice three things that we'll glean from verse 11. Number one, put on. That's an action word, right? Put on, put on. Take off, put on. What's that saying? I have to activate some characteristics to release the power of God. Amen? I have a responsibility to play if I'm going to walk with God and be more than a conqueror. It is put on says live out these things. Apply and practice the characteristics that we're going to study here. Truth and righteousness. Faith. The word of God. Prayer. Salvation. You know, a soldier's got to put that helmet on. It's not going to protect his head. That soldier's got to put that vest on if he wants to be shielded from the shrapnel. That soldier's got to have the weapon to know how to use it. Just, just waving it at the enemy's not going to do very good. Isn't that right? Mm. So put on, put on. So I, have to, I have to activate these characteristics. I have to obey these commandments. But in doing so, that releases the working of that mighty power. But then it says here, not only put on, put on the whole armor of God. This tells you and I to be complete Christians. Be a complete Christian. Close the gate on any known compromise or disobedience, for the enemy will exploit any area of vulnerability. Let me read that again. Close the gate on any known compromise or disobedience, for the enemy will exploit any area of vulnerability. Now we know just two chapters earlier, in chapter 4 of Ephesians, Paul had warned the church, Ephesians 4 and 27, give no place to the devil. And he says, don't give the devil a foothold. We waste precious prayer time on the prayer line, praying about things that never had to be prayed for. But we give the devil an open door, and then we want everyone to stop their lives and pray us through. That's another sermon for another day. Let me just throw that out there for somebody. Anyway, we refuse. Can't have some truth in church. We're not to close the door. That's all. Refuse the enemy any place he can come into your life and gain ground. He says, put on the whole armor of God. You see, the enemy will exploit any area you give him. There's a story from World War I where the, the Brits suffered a terrible naval defeat at the hands of the Germans. I believe it was the Battle of Jutland. And um, 
The thing was, the Brits had a ship that they really thought was something special. They had reinforced the steel around it so that the bombs would just bounce off. And in many ways, again, we're going back early 1900s, but it was state-of-the-art in a lot of ways. Except for one little thing, and we laugh at it now, but again, this early 1900s, though there was reinforced steel all around it, the German shells would bounce off it, they still had the deck made of wood. So after a while, the Germans found out that, you know, we lob a few shells this way instead of hitting the sign that bounces off. They have a vulnerable place because they didn't put out the whole armor of God. There was a vulnerable place where it was just wood and that whole ship went down. But they thought it was so strong and they thought it was elite. And when the enemy found a place of vulnerability, it put all their guns in that one place and down went the ship. Again, put on the whole armor of God. Because again, the enemy will exploit what we give him. So this is what it's saying to you and I. Address areas. Address areas in your life that are not in line with Scripture. Yeah. And areas the Holy Spirit might be drawing your attention to. Don't give place to the enemy. Because if you get, listen, understand this about, here's the spiritual truth. I'm saving it, to, I have it for later in my notes. But let me say it to you like this. Your willful choices determine much about the access the enemy has or does not have in your life. Right. You control a whole lot by your choices or lack thereof. The enemy just can't come and override the child of God. We belong to Jesus. But our moral free will and the choices we make Invite him, access him. If we choose to allow things to go undealt with that we know the Bible says that's clearly wrong, then we give him access and we give him the right to come in and we'll do what he wants to do. If there's things the Holy Spirit's dealing with me about, if there's certain things I know the Spirit is warning me and speaking to me, and I choose to ignore the Spirit, and since I give place to the enemy to come in, and when he comes in, as we'll see later, he brings his damage. Amen? All right. All right. Let me get back to that. I wanted to get that down. So here we go. Put on the whole armor. Be a complete Christian. And then take your stand. Verse 11, take your stand. We emphasized this last week, didn't we? Because Paul, not once or twice, but four times in these few verses, Paul calls us to take your stand. Verse 11. Stand your ground, verse 13. Verse 14, stand firm, and when you've done everything, stand some more. That word stand there in verse 11, it's a military term. It's a command that says, hold your position and don't back up. With the armor of God, you hold your position. Don't let the enemy steal the blessing. Don't let the enemy take what you've achieved through your faith. The eternal truths that you and I learn through these verses and throughout the Word of God help us to resist and overcome so that we can not lose ground. So we don't shrink back. But instead we can hold firmly to what God has given us. Firmly to what God has done through our lives. That we can advance spiritually and accomplish what God called us to accomplish again. Last week we stressed James 4 and 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Make sure you got things right with God. But once you do, you can resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You don't have to call a special prayer line. You don't have to wait for an angel to come. The Bible says if you're submitted to God and you're walking as you're supposed to be walking, then you can resist the devil with your faith, with your prayer, with the blood of Jesus over your life, with the power and authority of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by your obedient lifestyle and your commitment to Jesus. You can resist the enemy and the Bible says he'll flee from you. Resist means you can push him off, you can Ward them off. You can keep them from your family. You can keep them from your ministry. You can keep them from your marriage. Why? As I live submitted to God and I practice proper resisting and standing and coming against the enemy. God says you can overcome it. 
So verse 11, three things are put on the whole armor and then take your stand. Our strength and our adversary. Verses 11 and 12. Now let's look at this together. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He's got some schemes, amen? Yes. He's got some schemes. Yes. All right. For our struggle, our wrestling is not against flesh and blood. Mm. All the politics is good, but we're all still going to go to hell if we don't get saved. All right. Notice it said not flesh and blood. Did you notice that? It's easy to get political, but spiritual is a whole other ballgame. When Jesus comes on board, he don't take any prisoners. That's another sermon for another day. But I hit anything to move. I hit a Democrat and Republican. I hit it all. You're not saying you're going to hell. Come on. And in church, we're here to serve the Lord Jesus first and foremost. And if you want to be the best citizen you can be, is be the best Christian you can be. Because that's the salt and the light that keeps a culture pure and bright and shining and overcoming. Can you say amen? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against, 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 against the powers of this dark world, this spiritual dark world. Against the spiritual, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Wow. Let's look at this. Let's look at this. Our adversary, the devil schemes, the devil has strategies. And devices. Now we study this not to give any undue attention to the evil one, not to dwell on him, no, 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 no. But we study this because number one, it's in the book. God put it in the book, He wants us to study it and learn from it. But also it is being responsible to study our opponents so we can defeat him. That's right. To not be ignorant of his devices, to know our enemy, so we can be wiser than our enemy. But here, the Apostle Paul very clearly addresses the fact that we have an enemy who wants to defeat us and rob us of all that we have in Jesus Christ. And again, if you're familiar with the book of Ephesians, it is a marvelous book. It is such, it's rich, it's refreshing. Again, Paul's not dealing with a lot of problems here. He's just pouring out the glorious truth. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Um, by grace we say through faith. And God says, um, I had a plan for your life before the foundation of the world. You are my workmanship. And it's such a wonderful book. But yet Paul says, now, after you get done shopping and happy, you've got to realize there is some seriousness in this Christian experience, this is a real enemy out there that will try to derail you and defeat you and frustrate you if you let him. And so notice Paul doesn't say, let's just ignore him. He says, no, let's be alert and educated concerning him so we can take a proper stand against him. The Bible, the Bible doesn't apply ignorance. Let's get to this now. Three things. Three things we're going to see. Verse 11 and 12, three things about our adversary. And there the PowerPoint covers it so well. He's a powerful enemy, and we're going to walk through this. He's a wicked enemy, and he's a crafty enemy. Number one, he, he's a powerful enemy. If you give him a place, he can and will do plenty of damage. Well, Paul writes against rulers and authorities, against powers in this dark world. He's a powerful enemy. If you give him a place, he can and will do plenty of damage. And that's why we need God's strength and we need God's armor. That's why Paul's encouraging us to do that. And how last week we stressed the importance of Christian commitment. Because again, if I stand for Jesus, it's that's the power to stand against the enemy. We talked about that overcoming church in the book of Revelation last time. Remember that? We, we, we love that verse. They overcame him what? By the blood of the Lamb. By the word of their testimony, most of the last thing, loving not their lives even unto death. One of the characteristics of the overcoming church is they were totally committed to Jesus Christ. Amen? They were willing to die if they needed that. And that Christian commitment, as I'm committed to Christ, there's power to stand against us. But our enemy, he's a powerful enemy. So we say this, don't play games. Or dabble or treat lightly the yes. things of darkness. Yes. 
Throw out them Ouija boards, them horoscopes, those things from hell. Get rid of all that. Get rid of all that. Paul said, hey, don't play games. Don't give any place to the devil. Get rid of that nonsense. Don't play games or devil or treat lightly. Again, remember, my willful choices determine much of what the enemy can or cannot do in my life. The devil plays for keeps. The scripture compares him to a lion, to a dragon, to a serpent. He's called a murderer. Jesus said, John 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and to destroy. 1 Peter 5 and 8 tells us that we should be alert and watchful because our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Look at that. He says, be self-controlled, be alert, be spiritually awakened. Now, don't be slothful spiritually. Don't be uh, uh, complacent spiritually. But be self-controlled, be alert, be watchful. Because your enemy, again, we do have an enemy. Our enemy, the devil, here's the imagery. Well, like he prowls around, that means he's aggressive and he's active. The church can be complacent, but our enemy is not. I can, I can tell you that much. The, the, the church can ignore things, but I got news for you. The enemy will destroy whatever we let him to destroy. We need to know that. Your enemy, the devil, he prowls around. He's like a roaring lion and he's seeking and he's looking for some person, some marriage, some innocent body to devour and destroy. He's a powerful enemy. And his goal is to try to ruin and create confusion and bring defeat and bondage and heartache and sorrow. He's powerful, but praise the Lord Jesus is more powerful. The enemy is powerful. We need to understand that. We need to recognize that. But thank God Jesus is more powerful. And we see many, many illustrations of this in the Bible. I think one of the ones that stand out in the New Testament is that demon-possessed man of the Gadarenes. Remember that story? Three times we see it in Mark, Matthew, and Luke. There's a story about a man so possessed by hell. Hell's power had so invaded and taken control of this man's life that he became separated from his sanity, his society, his family. He was being tormented. He was suicidal. Somehow, the Bible doesn't tell us, but somehow, the enemy got in and got a hold of him. His community banished him to the tombs because they didn't know what to do with him. And even though he was banished in the tombs and they tried to chain him up, the Bible says he broke the chains. Even chains couldn't hold him. All the medication couldn't do anything for him. The Bible says night and day, day and night, he cried out and he cut himself. He was tormented. He was being harassed and afflicted. He was trying to hurt himself and kill himself as he was so um, held by hell. But the Bible says that Jesus heard his cry. Isn't it so cool? Jesus was far away. Jesus went through a storm to get there. Jesus was outside the ability for you and me to hear it. But how do you know? God hears the cries of hurting people. God hears the cries of desperate people. God hears your cry. God hears your cry. If you're listening at home, God hears your cry. He heard you weeping last night, tossing and turning. He heard your cry. And his heart is compassionate towards your situation. And he is able to break every chain and heal every wound and free you from every hole. Somebody say amen. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus heard his crying. Jesus went to the place that others avoided and others neglected and others ignored and feared. And when he got there, hallelujah, when he got there, it wasn't just one demon, a legion of demons controlled this man. The whole herd of devils that had him bound. The Bible says when Jesus got there, hell's legion was defeated and hell's prisoner was freed by the power of the Son of God. This man was dressed and in his right mind. He was restored and then he was returned. Back to his family, back to his dignity, back to his God. That devil will steal your dignity. That devil brings shame and sorrow and embarrassment. Jesus restores dignity. Jesus makes you the man you were meant to be. Jesus makes you the woman you were called to be. Oh, the power of Jesus Christ. Yes, there is a devil and he has power to ruin life. But if you're walking with the Lord, you are powerful more than all 
The enemy is powerful. And some might say, well, Pastor, that was like an extreme illustration. I know that wasn't extreme. It was in the book. It's a real one. But it is extreme. Well, you don't mind me hitting you where you live, do you? No. I mean, in all sense, you know. Well, when you're in the 40s, you preach about no more see Bambi in the movies. You don't do that now. Amen. We passed that ball. Pass that. You gotta hit you gotta hit with moving. Amen. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, no, maybe, maybe, maybe no one's saying, I don't understand how not that demon possessed man, that's a little extreme. Well, I'll tell you nothing. That devil has power. How many people suffer through depression and discouragement? I'm not talking those medical problems, that's a different issue. I'm just getting to that spiritual realm, and that emotional realm. Yes. Powerful. Oh, if he can't bind you up, he'll certainly try to discourage you. That means take courage out of it. Discourage. Take out courage. When you lose courage, you like to give up. You lose your fight. You lose your faith. You lose your will to keep trying. Sometimes you give up and you go back. That's the devil. He tries to... Jesus went about healing those oppressed of the devil. Oppressed down. Oppressed down. He makes you feel heavy. He makes you feel weary. He just drains you. But I want someone to know this morning. Our Heavenly Father majors in encouragement. The Holy Spirit is an encourager. The Word of God is an encourager. And though the devil might try to discourage you, your Heavenly Father, He wants to encourage you today. He wants to remind you of the good promises that will lift you up. He wants to refresh your soul and give you a strength to throw off that heaviness, to throw off that weariness. Believe God. You will fight again. You will live again. You will sing again. You will triumph again through the power of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Oh. He's a powerful enemy. Oh, God. Can I tell you? He's a wicked enemy. He says wicked enemy. Talk about evil, evil, wicked, evil. I want you to hold on to that. And again, we were just, I want you to be educated. We're not giving us food for any undue. But we want us to understand. I want you to understand this. You won't hear this on the news. They're so messed up. They're a hard perversion. They give an award to the perverted. The Bible says that the perverted spirit, unclean spirit. Read your Bible. Unclean spirit. It's unclean. It's causing them to do something unclean. Powerful enemy. He's a wicked enemy. You see it right there. We're just looking at the Bible here. Against the dark world. Dark world. Against spiritual forces of evil. 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 See that? New American Standard. Spiritual forces of wickedness. Forces of evil. You know the Bible calls many times evil spirits. They're called unclean spirits. Unclean spirits. And they cause moral defilement. Yes. People do things embarrassing and slaving and shame. Yes. Remember, we did when we were living crazy. Things that make you ashamed. You said, Why? God's name would I? Because you weren't thinking right when you were serving at the end of the day. Amen? Yeah. Brings perversion, twist. The source of unnatural affections, unnatural appetites, unnatural fears comes from hell. Those wicked spirits of evil. Say it. When people uncontrollable in the compulsion and the abuse, an unclean spirit. Jesus called him a murderer, people killing themselves. He instigates that. The Bible uses the word Belzebub, describing the, the works of the enemy, the Lord of the flies, the dunghill. The imagery of something dirty, something vile. That's what hell does. That's what hell does. So I want to tell you again, one more time. Monitor. What comes into your homes and what comes into your minds. Monitor what comes into your marriages. Monitor your children's entertainment and influences. Monitor conversation and places that you frequent. Again, your willful, my willful choices determine much concerning the access hell has or doesn't have don't give the enemy permission to work in your life. Remember the night he was betrayed? 
they, they came to Jesus, but he, the devil had nothing in him. They found that when he came to Jesus, there was no entrance. There was no access. When he tried to get to Jesus, there was no way in. He couldn't get in. And when we live pure and holy and obedient, guess what? Guess what? And that shield stays strong. Amen. That righteous stays strong. Amen. So under this one, he's a wicked man. So when you see all the vileness and wickedness in the world, we don't, and the fools that legislate. Oh, yes. Spiritually darkened, depraved minds. Romans says, consider yourself to be wise. Actually, God says they became fools because they rejected the word of God and the will of God and the righteousness of God. So when you see that nonsense, feel sad in your heart and pray for those that are lost and blind and bound. Amen? But don't be fooled by what you hear. Anything that's not in line with the Bible and that's vile and perverted, that's coming from the father of lies who is a murderer and a defiler from the enemy. Yes, yes. Understand the source of that nonsense. Pray for the human being that's hurt by it, that's blinded by it. Pray that Christ will set them free. Pray that the gospel can open their eyes. Amen? We pray for people who we have to understand and properly identify the source behind that nonsense. That's hell. That's not heaven. That's hell. That's not man evolving. He's not evolving. He's evolving. He's getting more and more Amen. Number two, monitor what comes into your homes, into your minds, into your house. Monitor that. Don't give them any place. Number three, kind of a third subpoint under the wicked enemy. Christian, listen. It's a little, 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 little tidbit for you. When on the inside, Christian, maybe you're a young Christian, and you don't, when on the inside, you sense something that's either grieving you. Remember our premise of the last couple weeks? Submit yourself, therefore, to God. So everything is determined by our, our, our yieldedness to the Lord, okay? When I'm walking close to the Lord, I'm more sensitive to the attacks of the enemy. I'm awake, I'm alert, I'm sensitive, okay? So with that in mind, with that in mind, Christian, when on the inside you sense something grieving your spirit, something that makes you feel dirty, violated, contaminated or ill, uneasy or restless, when you sense that, that is the scent of hell. That is the warning of the Holy Spirit saying, beware, back off, separate yourself from this. You ever get around some of the times and maybe you didn't know it, they might have looked fine, there's something in your spirit, you just get away from this. Yes. Get away from this relationship, yes. get away from it, right? They might have looked, they might have been, they might, but you're doing your spirit, it was the Holy Spirit, you see. Listen, the Holy Spirit is holy, pure. Holy Spirit is powerful. We know that powerful. But the Holy Spirit is also very sensitive. And one of the roles he plays as he lives within us is like an alarm system. He helps us with discernment. Because remember now, the Bible says the devil walks around not looking like uh, some nutcase, David Koresh kind of, you know, something you see. God, Lord, oh, you, you don't need a lot of discernment. See, they're not with it. No, no. He goes around as what? An angel of light. You know, you can't be a good con man if you don't play the part. The devil's a con man. One of the things the Holy Spirit does for you and I. He works as an alarm system. And you get in a situation, you begin to feel your insides are getting read. Amen? You begin to sense this. Something not right here. Even though you can't figure it out at first, when you sense the Holy Spirit, a warning, just back off. Just get away. You'll notice how many times down the road you'll see something. Down the road you'll see how things worked out. And you say, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I came so close to going into business with that joker. I came so close, and and, and now I found out they they, they, they plot to tell lies. They they they're set you know, the spirit. You wouldn't have seen it in the natural. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I'm winding this down, but hang on here, hang on, hang on. That's good. That's good. The Holy Spirit is alerting us. Reject those things. Leave, expose those, and that's the warning alarm of the Spirit. 
Stayed in tune with the Holy Spirit. Colossians 3 and 15. Colossians 3 and 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Right? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Isn't that what the Bible says? And that word rule means act like an umpire. When the Holy Spirit is in you and you're walking with God, you will act like an umpire. When you get in a situation and all of a sudden peace disappears, whatever your definition of the opposite of peace, restlessness, fear, mourning, whatever it is, Holy Spirit, you say, get out. Stop it. It might be you get ready to do something. Don't do that. You might be getting ready to enter into a conversation. Don't go there. There, there might be someone that's trying to befriend you or an uneasiness. Just, just, just. When you walk with God, one of the great blessings we have is the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is that warning to keep us. This the enemy tries to deceive and pervert and tarnish. But the Holy Spirit will keep us alert and warned and give us a discernment to these things. Alright. Lastly, lastly. The enemy of our soul. Powerful. Wicked. And crafty. Crafty. The devil schemes. Notice how it says here. The devil schemes. The devil schemes. Again, a liar, a con man. That's why it's so important to know our Bibles. Amen? That's why it's so important to know your Bible. Because he, he can make things sound good. You know, you can, sometimes you listen to the world and they can make things sound so noble. Where the word of God clearly says, no, that's, that's not noble. Amen? So again, very know your Bible. Know your Bible. The enemy desires to segregate and separate us from the Lord. But if we're not ignorant of his devices, we can be wiser than our enemy. And we can walk. Let me give you one more verse. 2 Corinthians 2 and 11. 2 Corinthians 2 and 11. This is in the New King James. Lest Satan should take advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. We should be able to say that about us. Amen. That know the Lord. That walk with God. That context is they weren't going to forgive someone. That had gone through everything to receive forgiveness. And Paul says, you better forgive them now because they've done their part. And if you don't, the enemy will take advantage of your disobedience. Yeah. And that was the context. But we can apply the same thing. Lest Satan will take advantage of us if we are ignorant of his devices. But as we study the word of God, we walk close, full of the spirit of God. You know what? We don't have to be ignorant. We have the warning within and we have the word of God without to show us this is right, this is wrong. Close with this. Write this down in your thinking. One of the biggest things that deceiver will do, the deceiver, the enemy that deceives, the enemy that um, is crafty, he will try to cause you to doubt the word of God. And I bring that up that simply because go all the way to Genesis in the very beginning. The first time you see man's encounter with his enemy, you see the devil trying to cause Adam and Eve to doubt the word of God. That's what you see. Nothing as much has changed as it is. Because he wants you to doubt the word of God and then doubt the God of the word. He wants you to doubt that God doesn't mean what he says and says what he means. And he'll do his best to get you to doubt the word because then after you doubt the word, that's when we deny the word. If we deny the word, we disobey the word. And then we suffer the consequences like they did. So as we close this down, if you and I will lose our reverence and obedience to the word of God, sooner or later we lose everything. And so one of the things the enemy will try to do is to get an individual to doubt the Bible. Doubt that clear word of God. Because once he can get you doubting that, everything else starts getting unraveled. I want you to know that you can Trust the word of God. Amen. And you can believe it. And you can apply it. And it will bless your life and keep your life. Hallelujah. Amen. The armor of God. Our strength and our adversary. We said God's strength is available. It comes from walking with Jesus and abiding in the vine. He's our source of strength. He's our source of divine energy and victory. And don't let anything sever or separate you from your daily communion in connection with the Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. Secondly, your adversary. 
We can defeat him as we put on and take our stand. I want to close like this this morning. I want to close like this. It's so important. If there's an area in your life that is not in line with scripture, God only gives us so long and then we start going put up with rebellion forever. He's patient, but then God says enough is enough. I'm not your chum. If there's something in your life that's not in line with scripture, or if there's an area that the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you about, drawing your attention to that, you need to make a change. Let's respond this morning. You don't have to come down and embarrass yourself, but you can be sincere where you're at, but let's make that change. Let's not give the devil any access in our lives. Let's, let's obey the Lord. Amen? Amen. But secondly, let, let's do this. Let's, let's do this as we close. Let's just take some time when you come to the altar, whether you want to pray or stand, whether you want to stay in your seat, let's take some time and receive some refreshment from the Lord. Because we're all fighting the fight of faith. And I know so many within the sound of my voice, you're ministering to others. And that can be draining, and that can be exhausting spiritually, emotionally, physically. And sometimes just to fight this good fight of faith, we just need sometimes to say, Lord, refresh me. Refreshment, so I can get back out there this week and keep ministering in your strength, keep walking in your power. I know there's many here today. You're ministering to others. You're taking care of this one. You're dealing with that. There's others that you just want to grow in God, and you're struggling to get some victory in certain areas. And again, that fight of faith drains us. It drains us. Dealing with things, it drains us. So before we go, I'm going to pray the blessing, but everyone just Sing the song a couple of times through and sing it as a prayer. Saying, Lord, fill me afresh. Lord, you know I love you. You know I want to please and obey you, but I need just a fresh drink from your river. I just need a refreshing so I can get back out there and give you my best. So I can get back out there and I can do what I need to do in this season. Amen? Amen. That's all. That's all. Would you stand with me? Let's stand. Let's stand. Let's just get refreshed.